working women, how many things are you expected to do on a daily basis? It's impossible to do it all, yet we're asked to each day. Listen to hear how one high-wire woman, Rosanna Berardi, stays on the high-wire while managing a busy law firm, a consulting business, teaching at a law school, parenting her 14-year-old son, and maintaining a happy and healthy marriage. Let Rosanna show you how to make sense of your life and stay on that high wire. Hello, high wire women. Well, I'm so glad to be here. We're getting closer to Christmas and the end of 2020. We're lucky today to have a really special guest, Jessica Schwal Rosen, who is a labor and employment lawyer at Greenwald Doherty in the great city of New York. And so Jessica is the consummate high wire woman in that uh, she is a partner at a law firm in New York and also the mom of two kids and a really busy human being. So today, Jessica is going to tell us all about how she stays on the high wire without falling off and killing herself, which is we're all trying to avoid. (laughs) So thanks for being here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm an employment lawyer. I work with businesses to help them uh, address employment issues as it relates to their workforce. Um, And so I work with them to hopefully avoid litigation and help them navigate a complex series of laws that apply to them and their workforce. And I represent them in litigation if it comes to that. So the last number of months have been really intense on our end, helping businesses figuring out how to address, um, you know, layoffs, terminations, furloughs, reopening, um, leaves, you name it, remote workers, a lot of issues there. So um, it's been a really thrilling time to do what I do and also intense um, in that sense. And I heard, I don't know if I read it in an article or heard it on the radio, but there is a lot of expected litigation in 2021 regarding labor and employment because of how vastly different our workforce has changed with remote workers and then some companies requiring people to come back, but not doing COVID testing. Like, do you do you agree with that? Do you think we're going to see a lot of it um, in the coming months? Yeah, we've actually written a, a couple of articles in Law 360 on that about this, these trends, litigation trends. Um, you know, we when we were advising businesses on layoffs and furloughs, I mean, it was I had a list of like number of businesses that I was representing. I had to keep a list of them because I was getting all the details. I wanted to make sure to keep all the details straight of who was where in the process. But, you know, we really worked with clients to help them make decisions that were based on business reasons and that were well thought out to hopefully protect them, you know, from a claim Mm -hmm. because right. A layoff, like there are, there's an economic reason, but who you pick for a layoff may ultimately subject you to um, litigation. And the same for who you bring back to work and how you bring them back and whether you can accommodate remote work. So I definitely think that's, that's something that's on the horizon. And a lot of businesses and working with remote workers, and this is something we've been doing a lot of speaking on, is remote workers and how do you engage them? How do you ensure that they perform remotely um, when you don't can't see what they're doing all day? Right. Um, and so a lot of a lot of questions around performance management, and as this sets in for the long haul, to the extent companies need to be making a change. You know, how do you address performance issues in a remote work environment and protect yourself and also keep a company culture that you right. know, aligns with your, your goals, too? Right. Yeah. So there's, just, there's some it's, it's interesting for me because I come to this from a from a more of a um, holistic sort of um, 
not just a litigator standpoint. I come from it. I, I did a lot of different things before law school. And mm-hmm. so for me, and one of the things I thought of doing was social work. And so for someone with that background and that interest in, in looking at the law holistically and on a personal level, it's really interesting to be addressing these legal issues in this in this time and the remote work and how it's not just about the legal issue, but also how you make the employees feel right. as an employer. Um, and so kind of fun to sort of see those those aspects of of my practice come together. Yeah. And it's interesting because it doesn't appear that the work from home is going away anytime soon, notwithstanding COVID. So I think it's, I think it's the beginning of, of, of a portion of how we work. I mean, we all worked from home a little bit um, before this, but now it seems to be um, super common. And a lot of companies are saying, you know, the big companies are saying we're not going back, right. We're going to let people work from home because it saves a lot of money on, rent and things like that. So tell us about your personal life. Tell us about the little people in your life. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, so I am originally from California. I moved to New York now almost seven and a half years ago at a time when I had a lot going on. I had, I was pregnant with my son, my first child. Um, My husband was moving for his residency and um, I kind of was ready for a New York adventure. So I moved out here took the bar six months pregnant. Um, oh. I actually found out in the hospital after I had him that I passed. And Yay! Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> I didn't know in, in California, when you take the bar, it comes on, the, the results come on a very specific date and you know when it's coming. Mm-hmm. And here, I think maybe it's distraction. I didn't expect it. So I, I didn't know what it was. I got an email and I asked my husband to check it and he's like, you passed. Um, oh so that funny. was a very fun <laughs> converging of worlds. So moving out to New York, you know, we, I, I had studied abroad in Spain and I'd always wanted to live in an urban setting and we mm-hmm. least sold our cars. Um, but I still maintain a California practice. And when I moved out here, I actually um, was with a bigger firm and I, I basically built out the employment law practice in New oh. York for the firm. But I also maintained a pretty steady roster of work in California as well. So I have this kind of bi-coastal practice even now. Um, and so, um, so for me, and so, you know, ordinarily this time of year, I'd be traveling to California, I'd be going more often, but we were sitting here in New York City. Yes. Um, and despite everything in the pandemic, um, I still love New York City. Um, I, you know, we live in an apartment building. And I think the hardest part is if we did have to quarantine recently, because one of my kids was exposed. And, you know, not having the outdoors that easily accessible, I think is mm-hmm. a hard thing if you're really stuck at home. But throughout the pandemic, we've really been able to get out. We've got the parks nearby. Oh, good. Thankfully, the playgrounds are open now. That was harder when they weren't, but we still got creative when we were outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and there's a feeling, I mean, he's still here at seven o'clock. There's robust cheering for the, all of the essential workers. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So you really feel like you're still part of a community, um, even though we have to isolate in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, you know, like neighbors in the building when early on, my daughter actually um, my daughter goes to pre to daycare at one of our neighbor's house. And I, I, we would have a little exchange where I would like, she would leave us books and toys and we would pick up her mail. And it was like, even just <laughs> not seeing her, but like knowing she was there behind the door and leaving things for her and right. leaving us things like that, just, that's a little connection that felt mm-hmm. so meaningful. Um, so, so I have two children. My kids are seven and four. Um, and my husband is a, is a doctor. So it's, um, as I was mentioning, he's a researcher primarily. He does he sees patients as well, um, but a more in a more discreet way. So um, mm-hmm. he thankfully kind of avoided the biggest of the surge 
but um, at the moment is actually working in the hospital this week. So, um, wow. so you know, it's been it's been a different time in that sense, busy for us. Um, but you know, I the thing that you if you ask kind of how do you stay on the high wire, I'll answer that question. Um, yeah. It's really about delegating. Um, yes. You know, use applying resources to delegate things that can mm-hmm. be delegated. Um, and pull in a community of people. And I really think that in this time, I've been lucky to have that in a real way, in a real way that's helped me to focus on the things I need to do. Yeah, there's only so many things you can do. And I'm a big proponent of spending money to go faster. Like that's always kind of been my motto. Um, and people think that's ridiculous. Like, well, why would you spend money for someone to clean your house? You could just clean it yourself. Or, you know, why would you spend money for someone to mow your lawn? You could just do that. Well, you can do all of those things, but just because you can do them doesn't mean you should. And even though like the argument that I always make is, okay, even if you do those things, like cumulatively, they add up to a lot of time. And when you have a job and children, you have to balance, you can't do everything and it's just not feasible. So I'm a pro delegator. That's how I stay on the high wire too. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, you know, and I feel like I'm giving people work and they're doing their job and I'm doing mine. And um, I think it's just really important to, to, to be okay with that. And so many women feel like I have to do everything, you know, I have to go grocery shopping and I have to buy all the gifts and like, you don't have to, you choose to, um, there's, especially now it's never been easier to delegate stuff, right? There's people doing everything, everything you can think of can be done for you. Um, which I'm just really happy about that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we, we already were using fresh direct for food delivery and Mm -hmm. have continued to, my husband has stepped up and is like on top of the ordering because at a certain point it was very hard to get an order slot. Okay. And he, he like, he did that, he, you know, and he, <laughs> he ordered the holiday presents and, you know, that to him, but then I just having other, other helpers and, um, you know, we made a risk calculation early on that we needed to have someone coming into the home to help with the kids. Right. Um, and, you know, we, thankfully she's a phenomenal babysitter who we, we've worked with a long time and lives nearby. So she didn't have to take public transportation. And mm-hmm. that obviously has really made a difference for us. Sure. Um, and um, so this week we're, you know, she's away. So we're, we're, we're I think in a way the, the pandemic, you know, for me, it's given me a, a little bit of, um, in a way it's liberating for a working mom because, you know, before I would have never put my kid on an iPad. And now of course that's part of what we do, right. um, but it's, it's in a way it's a liberating. So if my kid has a day off school, I'm just here. I can just be here with him and right. be independent. And I, I try to embrace my, my seven, my seven-year-old is much more independent. My four-year-old obviously is more sure. needy. And when they're together, they can, you know, get into <laughs> trouble together. But what's great is this feeling that, you know, I can, I can be here. I can sort of hear what's going on, make sure they're, they're okay, you know, and, and, and focus. So it's not always perfect for sure. Right. And, and I think the days when we can get outside and I think, you know, especially over the holidays coming when I don't have mm-hmm. childcare and I have to work, you know, my plan is to take them out to the park early in the morning, make them run around and then come back in. Tire them out. <laughs> yeah. They've got to, they've got to get around. I mean, we're all better when we exercise. Yeah, for morning. sure. For me, another way I stay on the highway is to exercise. Um, usually I'm a swimmer. I haven't gone back to my pool since the pandemic started, 
Um, but I run and I've been able to stay running. I've been running 10 miles a week for the last number of months and um, have like a running partner friend, which is just lovely. And so it's great. Amazing. Um, So, but, or my husband and I take turns and I think doing that has really helped me maintain that balance because Mm -hmm. um, I know I'm much more able to weather life challenges when I have, um, when I have that, you know, exercise and that outlet. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've really taken exercise seriously this past year and like, it used to be this big, hard thing to fit in into my life. And I've come to realize it doesn't have to be anything extreme. I mean, just taking a walk around our block is 20 minutes and just that change of air and change of scenery. I mean, there's just so many benefits. And now, you know, we live in the East coast, it's getting colder, but as long as it's not windy, I feel like I can walk at any time um, as long as I'm dressed appropriately. And I'm really going to try to embrace that with the colder months upon us because it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Really well, my, my my running partner friend um, also, she's like, oh yeah, winter running is the best. And she got me really into it in the morning. And it's like, I went running in 32 degree weather. I'm a California. Wow. And it's like, that's okay. I could do that, you know? Wow. Um, but I, I agree with you. It's funny because, you you know, another question that you had, I'm going to steal your thunder, is what's one thing in 2020 that's made you more efficient is is walking, walking on and talking when I can. So today I have a call at 430 that's like a non-billable call. That's a social call or potentially an opportunity, mm-hmm. but it's like with a friend. So I'm going to take that walking, you know, and oh, to yeah. just think a little bit outside the box to do those kinds of things. Um, then I'm more likely to you know, get a little bit, stretch my legs and kind of. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. That's really, really good. And it's easy to do. We, we make things unnecessarily hard in our heads because we don't want to do them, but anyone can take a walk. Doesn't have to be 30 minutes all in a row, you know, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. Um, sometimes here at the firm in the afternoon, you know, that like two to three, two to three o'clock slump where you're just like, uh, I just want to take a nap. I'll just say to everybody, okay, staff meeting and everybody will, you know, get together and I'll say, all right, we'll just, we're taking a quick walk. We don't talk about anything. Um, business it's 10 minutes of just walking chit chatting with whoever you're standing next to. That makes such a huge difference. People come back and they're like energized and it's fun and it was unexpected. And so like those little things really add up and they make, they make the grind a lot more palatable, I think. Yeah. So you've been a lawyer now for how many years? Probably. Put me on the spot. I was sworn in 11 years since I was sworn in. Okay. So 11 years. So what do you know now that you wish you knew 11 years ago when you were first starting out? Like what, what was one thing, you know, that you think, man, if I had known that like a decade ago, my life would have been so much easier. What do you think that is? There is something out there for everyone and that there are many kinds of lawyers and that you don't need to fit into one idea of what a lawyer is. You can really bring your whole self to practicing law if you find the right place to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but I knew very loudly and clearly when I was at the wrong place and it had nothing to do with like the work per se, but the environment just wasn't right for me. Um, And, and it takes some courage to leave, especially if you're in the big firm setting and, you know, you're like brainwashed, like this is the best place to be. There's nowhere else but here. Um, But I, 
you know, for me personally, I wasn't happy until I really embraced my entrepreneurial spirit and decided to roll it out myself. Now, there is some lunacy that accompanied that as well. (laughs) And it's certainly been a roller coaster for the last 15 years, but um, it's allowed me to be my true self and, and practice in a way that makes sense for me. So yeah, I think there's a lot of things you could do with a law degree and people talk about, well, I don't want to go to law school. I don't want to be in court. Well, you don't have to be right. You can, you can do a million things with a law degree. And that's what I really love about it. Yeah. And you have to get, and you have to dig, you have to research it. It's not something that is so obvious when you're sitting in law, you know, law school thinking mm-hmm. about it. I have to, so I've, I, as I mentioned, I'm launching a podcast in the new year. And um, so one thing I'm doing is reflecting on people at various stages of my career who've been instrumental in helping mm-hmm. me think about where I'm going. Cause the, the podcast is focused on interviewing innovators and entrepreneurs about how they discovered their superpower. Oh, cool. um, so that's forthcoming. Check it out. But yeah. for now, for now, I'm really reflecting on those moments. And so um, one of those key conversations was when I was in law school and I was at an event and I met someone who knew me, my middle name, my maiden name is Shval. And I like to use that professionally because it's actually a networking tool and that it's a very unique name. And anyone with that name is related to me. And so I was at an event and a woman saw my name and she said, are you related to Mark? And I said, yes. And she had gone to law school with my cousin, Mark. And so she sat me down and we basically had this amazing lunch and she convinced me, you know, to basically to, you know, to take my career in a certain direction and have a strategy around it. And that was an instrumental conversation that led me to down the path that I took. And I hadn't gone there and I wouldn't have had it if she hadn't kind of taken me under her wing and articulated uh, like a good lawyer, all the good arguments for why I should go into <laughs> employment law. Um, and it really does combine a lot of my interests because mm-hmm. as I mentioned, I, I thought about social work school. I did a lot of different things before law school. At the time I applied to law school, I was actually a Spanish translator and interpreter, and I was trained to work in the court system. Wow. And I don't know if you knew that. We didn't, and I was interested in immigration also, actually. Oh, look at that. Um, yeah. And so, um, so I had done a lot of different things. And um, having someone who could help me put the the pieces together to see, okay, well, there's a lot of different things you could do. And starting out in this way will set you up down this path. And these are the great attributes you should look for in a job. I mean, just really great feedback. It's all about mentors. It's all about finding the people who can help you in that direction. Um, And so, you know, even once I was there is just realizing when I was thinking about leaving the big firm, I did a values assessment. I looked at the different things I wanted in a job and then match them up against the opportunities that I had. And, you know, a lot of them were like, they were focused on creativity, community, connection, like a lot of C words, mm-hmm. connection, um, you know, innovation and things like that. And, and that's how I made my decision. And if you don't know what's out there, then you, you, you can't see what's there. You don't know the possibilities. Right. So a lot of it is just kind of finding those people who can share that information with you and realize that there's more than just this kind of singular path um, as a lawyer. And that there's one thing that I really love about my colleagues is that there's a recognition that we all bring something to the table, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, everyone has their strength. And so finding a place and a community where that's recognized is so important as a lawyer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, all good points. So 2021, you're excited about it? Or do you think it'll be a lot of the same of 2020? 
hey, they just rolled out the vaccine. Right. How can it, how it can't be more than the same, more of the same. Yeah, I, I'm really hopeful. I mean, I think that the, the pandemic has been very difficult. And like I said, I've been advising businesses in these gut wrenching decisions over layoffs and, you know, they, the business, I've been talking to business owners, like just feel privileged to be part of these conversations as they're considering existential decisions about their work and their team and seeing all the layoffs and like from my vantage point, I'm seeing a lot of unemployment, right? So I feel it, it brings to me a mindful mindset of grateful, of gratefulness, right? Of sure. being like, okay, I have a job, I have food, I have right. health, like that's what I need, you know, um, everything yeah. else is, is great, but those are the things that I need. Um, to be able to survive. And so I feel very grateful for what I have. And I feel excited because I do think that this time is cause for a lot of opportunity and creativity. And, mm. you know, it's especially for working moms and working parents, it's been a very, very, very difficult time. Um, and, you know, I am mindful of how much I have and how, how, um, privileged I am with the opportunities that I have. Um, and, and part of that has been kind of taking moments to sort of think creatively and kind of, and so for me, for example, with the podcast that I'm launching, it came to me one night as I was putting my kids to bed, right. Thinking about, and the idea was I have a client who pivoted early in the pandemic and started creating, um, face shields, their Mm -hmm. usual business as making, um, art and art installations and, advertising 3d installations fabricating those and they pivoted over a weekend and thinking about how great their work is and how I want to share it with my son and how you know it comes from this place of like this idea that when you're younger you think that there's a certain path and you don't realize how many interesting businesses are out there doing right. really innovative work um and so that's really what the the idea came from and a lot of you know this time this being at home and not having the structure that we're used to forces you to kind of gives you a chance to get creative and think about other possibilities and ways to, you know, do interesting work in the world. So for me, I feel excited about 2021. I'm launching my podcast. So that's a really exciting thing for 2021. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being here. We hope that you remain on high wire. You're certainly doing a great job. These are not easy times and Boy, I have so much admiration that you're running in the middle of winter. I'm feeling very <laughs> slackerish right now, but <laughs> keep it up. Keep Check up in the good me. work. Thank you. Check in thanks with me next month. We'll see if I if I keep it up. But um, thank you, Rosanna. It's really a pleasure to talk to you. And for me, I think the the takeaway is like a, you know having sort of that time. I look forward to hearing your podcast. So definitely listen to it before and um, having that space to sort of sit and listen to something is a nice. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, cool. Well, thank you. Thank you. All right. Hi, Wire Woman. Hang in there and uh, we'll see you next week.